0: This the Salted Carmel podcast from Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Parish in Carmel, Indiana. We have the opportunity to hear individual faith stories and learn how God has touched our parishioners in their spiritual journeys. I'm Tom Ponchak, Director of Adult Faith Formation, and with me today is our co-host, Jody Curtis. Our guest today is Deacon Paul Lunsford. Deacon, why don't you
1: tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at the parish? Well, I have been a Deacon in the Diocese of Lafayette, Indiana now for seven years. Pretty exciting stuff. And now that I am fully retired from... From income and Mm W-2s, I am focused greatly on my diaconal work at Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And at that, I do uh, marriage preparations for young couples getting married. I do a lot of marriage counseling for people in our parish and surrounding parishes. And then for the Diocese of Lafayette, uh, for Bishop Doherty, I I run the uh, third option marriage program, which is for highly troubled marriages. Quite frankly, anybody who's married even delightfully married, would do well to attend the third option. But the program is really designed to be focused on those people who are right at the edge of filing for divorce, or have, and they wanna give it one more try. And that's its origin, its design, in its DNA of its construct. <clears throat> and so I've done that now for 14 years for the bishop. And in doing that, I have a lot of couples that I work with um, on healing trauma of past mistakes in marriage and so with that it keeps me really very very busy because i don't know whether you are aware it's tough being married (laughs) (laughs) yes we know it's a target rich environment
2: (laughs) that's right well thank you for joining us and thank you for all you do for not only our lady of mont carmel but the diocese of lafayette as well so uh, Deacon Paul, do you even remember a time in your life before having a true relationship with Christ?
1: I know that I always, you know, in those sketchy memories where, you, where you're very unclear, you know, you're in third grade or something, I can always remember a grand attraction to the priesthood and a great famil- familiar warmth to being in and amongst uh, parishioners in my parish and my school. There was a priest uh, that i was blessed enough to be around at our lady of mount carmel back in the year in the mid-60s it was our originating priest john mcdonald who was a i mean a two-fisted old school roman catholic priest cigar smoking <laughs> he was the bomb he was uh <laughs> he was just such a great guy and uh, we just loved being around Father McDonald, and he was actually the priest who started Our Lady Mount Carmel. And somehow, between that um, orientation of going to Our Lady Mount Carmel from second grade through eight, and knowing Father McDonald, I just always have had a strong warmth and uh, connection to the faith. I can't say that it was something that was actually driven from a motivation to. Uh, respond to the Holy Spirit until much later. But it was wonderful to be swimming in those waters at those early years. Yeah.
0: Nice. And so how would you describe your life in Christ today?
1: Uh, Wow. My (laughs) life today is uh, one of confidence that I know very little. I'm very confident of that. And I suspect that will never change. I have a great desire to erode that deficit, and I love to learn about the faith. I love Fulton uh, Sheen's YouTube channel. I love little books and pamphlets. Uh, I'm not much of a student. I've never been good at school. I have a massive learning disability with reading. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but if you're if you happen to be at Mass when I'm proclaiming the gospel, if you want to get a good laugh read the gospel with me because I will not really be reading the gospel that's there. I'll be reading the gospel that I can remember ah. because I have a learning disability that I am I find it almost impossible to read aloud accurately. It's too long to go into now. but I have a number of friends <clears throat> who know about it and it'll be I, I have to practice it two or three times so that I can get close and um i have friends out in the audience that all know it and, and what i know it's it's been a bad gospel i'll just look up and they're going
2: they're giving me a on, like,
1: you got through it man
2: <laughs> <laughs> well now you have a lot of friends who know it <laughs> yeah, sure. and Angie,
1: it's really great because this is an example of how i can be useful for god i mean i was why I remember a long time ago I won an award as an adult uh, uh, for being a uh, uh, some sort of important graduate of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. I don't know how it, when they gave it to me during Catholic Schools Week. Goodness knows how many years ago, maybe 20. And Sister who was in charge, Sister Louise, who was in charge of the school at the time. She's, yeah, uh, they were getting ready to put me on stage. My parents were there, my wife and children were there. It was a big deal, you know. All the students were there. Somehow I had done something right. And um, <laughs> sister came up to me and says, You know, I have to tell you, I pulled your file. Oh. <laughs> and <laughs> she said, Can we talk after this is over? And I said, Absolutely, you may, we can. So when we got finished, she said, I want to know whether or not you would be open if, from, could I show all of our teachers your academic trial? I so, said, why would you want to do that? <laughs> I want them to know that there's never reason to lose hope. Oh, Because I'm sure it was all F's and ds and we can't control this guy. We seems totally uninterested. Nice kid, tough, you know, easily bored. Massive learning disabilities. Comprehension virtually impossible. Almost. I remember one time I read. I read the uh, f- the first reading at mass, like all the kids do, and I was my turn. My mother left the church crying. Oh. I just don't have the ability to do that. And um, so the, the fact that I would then in time to the grace and the, and the motivation of the Holy Spirit and God's will, his providence, and his desire for our lives, that I would become an ordained deacon, that I would proclaim the gospel and that I would give homilies to people, I can just tell you this that my third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh grade teachers, if, if they're not dead, which they probably are, have to be all jumping up and down saying, I can't believe this thing." <laughs>
2: Well, and can we add president of a school to yes. that list How as well, Yes. How about that? Too? President of
1: the college preparatory high school. <laughs> Thank you very much for irony.
0: I'm just impressed that those permanent records apparently really are permanent. Yes. yes. Have they stuck around long enough for, yes. to check on you. And they opened them with
1: glee.
2: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So Deacon Paul, why follow Christ? Why do you follow Christ? And how do you encourage others on why they should follow Christ?
1: Well, I follow Christ for a different reason than my primary motivator with others. I follow Christ to make sense on today. Honest to goodness, uh, currently it's very easy for us to say we live in a maddening world. Honest to goodness, truth is, is, we've always lived in a mad world and we're never gonna live in anything other than a mad world. Everything else is just an exercise and maybe. I really live with Christ on a daily basis because he's the only constant I have. Been married four years to a saint. <laughs> She's not as constant as he is. She's pretty constant. She's not as constant as Christ is. The liturgy of the hours, which is a big thing in my life, now one of the greatest joys of my life, <clears throat> that I say as a or as a as a cleric. Has such structure and consistency to it, and is so absolute that it—it's just the 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 enough of a finger hold for me to continue to climb the wall. And you know, it seems to be such a grand absence of truth in our world today. And so here is how I approach others: I love having a source and an orientation of truth. And as I meet with others and as we're having coffee because they're unemployed or their marriage isn't working out or their children are are, are struggling or pick something, it ultimately, what I really find to be the, the, great, the great crack in human civility and in human security is the great uh, uh, devaluing of the judeo-christian ethic that we know to be truth the, the the threatening of that the constant demeaning of the 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 the, 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 the destruction of the legitimately that there are real truths is something that is at the root of virtually every person i sit with eventually it's there and to be able to point that christ is that truth and his father and the holy spirit are that truth that the 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 divinity is the author of truth shores everything up. It just does. Had a wedding this weekend, and it was a uh, half the church is uh, non-Catholic. The other half is Catholic, and, and the non-Catholics were heavily Christian, evidently, evidently. And to be able to come out and talk about the sacrament of matrimony mm-hmm. and the beauty of the gender of male and female, because that was the gospel. God made the male and female. Um, I just stepped off of that, out of that, uh, off the the altar, and I just went off. And you know, I, and it was off script, but it was God was just screaming at, me, tell them, tell them the truth about why we're here. And you should have seen their faces; oh. they were so lit up. We just need to hear his truth. So I needed to keep the wheels on my cart. I approach others because we all desperately need truth. Mm -hmm. That
0: helped. Love it. Love it. Um, So in in Scripture, actually, Apostles is where the diaconate was started. Ah, Yes! And uh, it was was begun uh, to find men who were dedicated to serve the body, uh, to serve the church. So when you think of... I think all of us have a call to service. How would, how would you describe the importance of service in the life of a Christian?
1: Well, I think the diaconate is, is uh, held up as an iconic uh, vocation, like the priesthood is and all the other vocations, as something for us to be able to look at as a general populace and say, that describes Christ. So, the diaconate is Jesus Christ, the servant. Jesus Christ, the washer of feet. Jesus Christ, the healer, spitting in mud and wiping the eyes. Jesus Christ, the servant. Um, uh, Then there's Jesus Christ, the high priest. Well, this is a whole different role. This This is the priesthood, right? And so, as a deacon, what thrills me is that I honestly believe I get to see Christ more than most people. Because you and I get to see the face of Jesus Christ when we serve them. Because we find Jesus in the other person. We may go because all these poor people need me so desperately. And then you get in your car and go, man, Jesus was awesome today. (laughs) (laughs) We find Christ in each other. Maybe they find him in us, but we clearly find them in those that we serve. And being able to be an icon of that. I mean by that, that, that the deaconate is the icon. I am just a, a hopefully an authentic role player of that role. But in that service is where I really get tuned up as a Christian. Because uh, honestly, that's why COVID is so unbelievably difficult on so many of us of faith. Because when we disconnect from the human, anything, whether they're in need of us or they're there to support us, we are at a disadvantage. Where two or more of us are gathered, mm-hmm. you know? <clears throat> We've got to stay connected. And I'm not sure Zoom does it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's right, that's right. Who is your biggest faith influencer?
1: Well, my mother. My mother and father uh, clearly were the uh, those that extended the gift of faith through the Holy Spirit to me initially. But my mother, I think, lived it out, mostly because she was a tortured woman raising me. <laughs> My brother was great. I was I, I am the reason why she spent little time in purgatory. I, I, I will tell you, um, she just was steady, faithful. She used the rosary as a weapon, not against me or anybody. But you would find her you knew you had given her a very difficult and challenging day, only to come down for a glass of milk in the middle of the night, whereas there you find your mother in her chair saying the rosary. Probably motivated by your behavior today, but it was just constant. It was steady. It was absolute. Uh, her faith in me, when no one anywhere told me that I was going to work out. You know, as a young person, you're really graded terribly. There's a, I guess if you're an academic, it's a it's you're graded wonderfully. But if you, as a young person, when you are evaluated, all the evaluations come out of your ability to perform in a classroom. So from kindergarten through eighth grade, which are very formative years, who you are as a quality of person and what you might become is given to you in a piece of paper with a grade on it and or numerous files and comments from psychiatrists and psychologists saying, we don't know what's wrong with him Anyway, so, <laughs> long and my mother had to manage this, right? And watching her manage that and, and cajole me, to become what God created me to be. This is what she always used to say. You don't like those grades. You don't like the way you're being treated in the classroom. You don't like all these things. But I know this, Paul, God created you to be something. Your job is to continue to find it because when you find it, I know you well enough, it's going to be awesome. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: I just, you know, she tied that to the truth that I was created and purposed. See, that truth. Fundamental. Yeah. That got me through a lot of bad years. As soon as I got out of college, everything was great, you know, because now I'm in business and things worked out pretty well. Yeah. But boy, in those years where the where the evaluation is academic, how pretty. Mm -hmm. And so my mother's faith in God and in me finding my purpose is really the real gift of faith.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at Our Lady, we like to say we're grateful no matter what. So just this week, um, do you think, what would you like to share that you're grateful for?
1: No matter what? No matter what. I'm grateful for the Roman Catholic Church, no matter what is happens with crazy abuse stories and crazy mad archbishops and foolish ecclesiology failures that... Uh, will clearly have all come out by the time this podcast comes out. I am absolutely grateful for the Roman Catholic Church in the face of all the human failures. Why? Because we know that Christ designed it. We know Christ designed it with sinners, and he's going to save it with sinners. And so I am absolutely, unequivocally grateful for his construct and for his church, the Roman Catholic Church, because it gives me, again, structure to be able to stick my toes in truth, no matter how messed up by humans, and listen, you're listening to a person who messes things up at a high level. So I'm not here to judge the other people, <laughs> I'm just here to say, I believe in the design and in the holiness of, it, of the church. Nice.
2: Hmm. So I think of you as one of the greatest evangelizers that I know. What, what, do you, what do you think are your specific gifts for evangelization?
1: For some crazy reason. God, I just, it just dawned on me why. God paints pictures with my words because I can't write. Mm-hmm. And so he gives me insights with analogy, that for whatever reason, connects to regular everyday people. When I'm in, in front of a parish, in front of a bunch of men or a bunch of women in a Christ parish, or I'm with teenagers, I love teenagers, I love teenagers. Little kids scare me to death. <laughs> teenagers, I'm, I love them. Uh, they're high maintenance pets. you know. Little kids, they're high maintenance pets. Teenagers, like, now you can get something done. This, this, this is just a place where I connect. When I get with people who are of great intellect, um, I do not connect very well with them. But when I'm with just the masses on being able to convey a theological concept to them, God gave me the ability of which, all I do is accept it and try to hone it, of being able to find an analogy as to why that works in their life. And people will constantly come and say, oh, praise Jesus, I love that homily. And every once in a while, I have the courage to say, "Mm, what'd you like about it? And (laughs) (laughs) and sometimes it's not even my homily and I'm a little confused, but the other things, every once in a while they'll say, well, you know, when you told that story about a pumpkin, or you told that story about, you know, your faith being developed behind the back wheels of a lawnmower, you know, those folding the laundry, those kind of analogies, um, connect with people. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, that's my work. Because yeah. I can't do the high level stuff, but I live here, and it and it it's easy, and it's fun, it's fulfilling, and just sort of comes off the tongue. I don't, you know, I don't sit around and think about this stuff. <laughs> Now, I do spend four or five hours on a homily, but that's. other than that, it you know, Christ is reflexive of our soul. I mean, it, the faith is, is reflecting what is authentic and what is being uh, co- uh, nurtured and cultivated on a day-to-day basis. That, that, that's, that's what you see. And I tell you what, when I am less focused on my faith development, you can see it in me and you can hear it in me. Because mm. I'm mm-hmm. not talking about Christ.
2: Well, I don't know if I've seen that side of you, but no, I sure enjoy <laughs> your how You certainly have a gift. <laughs> so,
0: so uh, this is the Salted Caramel podcast. So, we like to ask everyone, um, what keeps you salty, or how are
1: you staying salty this week? Staying, staying in the uh, the reality of human failure. Mm. You know, administering with people who have failed their spouse or um, who desperately want to be forgiven, who, who want to do something to clearly change who they are as persons so that they can be a little more worthy of the love that they're being extended by their spouse and they feel so bad about how they behave. Being in the face of human failure and the, the passionate need and desire to be forgiven Well, I can't talk.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for being so vulnerable with us on that. And Deacon, we like to leave our listeners with a call to action Mm -hmm. every week. Do you have a call to action?
1: Yeah, you know, stop trying to do it ourselves. Start with the Lord. Give it to Him. I should probably work for Levi Lilly. Take a Prozac. (laughs) and relax you know i'm sure god and looks at the holy spirit christ looks over at the holy spirit and says who taught them to stress so much <laughs> who ever convinced them that they could bend steel like that don't they know we will get it done in our own time i just think they must laugh a lot at that and i i just really believe that th- that's it i that's the difference maker for me mm. yeah
0: That's great. Would you like to close us in a prayer? Oh, absolutely. In
1: the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear and gracious God, Jesus Christ, we ask you to uh, forgive us of our sins. Enable us to know that that grace comes with that forgiveness and that our potential is awesome. And that what is available to us by our own faith in you is beyond our understanding. And that we might have that we might just be convinced, Lord, that you created us with a purpose and attention and an intention and that we might just simply let you let us become that. Just Give us the grace, give us the authenticity to fail and give us the energy to just try. And may Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen.
2: Thanks for joining us. Oh, my gosh. Thank you.